0: Okay, we're calling this series Mystery Box, and, and if you're new here, one of the things you'll discover about the way we do things is we really like to communicate through a series, okay? So each, each message stands alone on their own, and we write them in that way, but usually they are part of a larger thought, okay? And we try to carry that larger thought over the course of several weeks because there's, there's power in that. This series is designed to be different than those things. Because every once in a while, I'll have these moments where I'm praying, where I'm reading my Bible, or even when I'm watching a movie, where, where God, in his grace, will speak something directly to my heart. And sometimes it's for me, and sometimes I, I just I want to share it. And, and the idea behind this series is to have three weeks that are completely unrelated. So there's going to be no theme that we're going to really carry throughout unless we do it accidentally, which happens sometimes. But the idea is to say, okay, God, what is it that you've been saying to me? And then how do I say it to these lovely folks? And so even this, this message, okay, so this started a couple months ago. Joanne and I were sitting on, on our patio, and I'm, I'm doing my devotions, and she's preparing something for school. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading the book of Numbers in our Old Testament. And, and I, as I'm reading the book, if you, if, if you have like a devotion time, you can probably relate to what I'm about to say, that I got to this phrase. And I, I, as hard as I tried, I couldn't move past the phrase. So for, for seriously, for, for weeks, I'm just like, ah. And it, the phrase was, he, follow, he wholly followed the Lord talking about caleb and so for like a whole like for weeks i'm like what is that like what does that mean why is it and then then i see it come up time and again this phrase and holy followed and as i started to just unpack and think about that idea i started thinking what makes caleb different what does it mean that he wholly followed and it was that he trusted God's promises, and he trusted God's promises in a way where he obeyed God's word no matter what might be in front of him, and, and as I think about Caleb's life, Caleb got to experience incredible blessing because he wholly followed the promises and commands of God. And I cannot help but think of promises without thinking of lies, okay? Because that's just how I think. I'm a little cynical. If you're new, just it's okay. It's not super cynical, just a little bit, just a, enough, you know. And, and so I started thinking of lies. And I asked uh, on our Facebook page, I said, could you give us like the worst lie that you've ever told? And these are a few of the ones that I like. There's a ton of them. You should read them all. But these are a few that I like. This one's Adam Meacham. He said, when I was in grade school, <coughs> I got into trouble for swearing, and the principal asked if I was allowed to swear at home. That is a really interesting question the principal asked. Like, what if his parents were like, yeah, we love, we love the F word. Like, what would he, like, but, because then he's then he stuck. Like, he's stuck, like, never mind. Um, I told her I was. She called my mom, and when I got home, I thought if I acted like nothing happened, my mom wouldn't remember the phone call. Smart. She did, and when I walked in the door, she stood at the top of the stairs with the scariest look I've ever seen, pointing, pointing me down to my room and said, wait until your dad gets home. Those are scary words for a child, because I'm telling you, when dad gets home, he ain't bringing a gift. It's never a gift. It's, it, I mean, it is a gift. It's just a gift you don't want. Okay, the next one. <clears throat> this is from Aaron. And she said, in an effort to impress her handsome snowboarding boyfriend, who is now her husband, so sometimes it pays to lie. Okay, no, it doesn't. It never pays to lie. Just, it worked out for her. I I told him that I was an amazing snowboarder with super impressive skills, 360 turn in the air, no problem, black diamonds, piece of cake, smiley face emoji. He was thoroughly impressed. Mission accomplished. And then, our senior year of college, our friends decided to take a group trip to Colorado to go snowboarding. I tried to convince everyone that a tropical locale would be much more fun. But Colorado bound, we were. 13-hour road trip complete, mountain passes purchased, gear rented, standing in line for the lift, I decided to confess, what better time than before you die. Right before I almost fell off the ski lift, Donovan had to pull me back on. I literally couldn't even stand upright on the board. So embarrassing. Lesson learned. If you want to impress a new flame, don't brag on skills you don't have if there's a chance that you'll have to prove those skills. In the future, can I get an amen? Like that's just, that's there. Okay, here's another one here. This is Kimberly Vorce. When I was 16, I told my dad that I wrecked his car. It was really my best friend. I was afraid I would get into more trouble for letting her drive it. I confessed a few years ago, my dad still doesn't believe me. I am still in trouble for wrecking that car. (laughs) You just never know. You just never know. Okay, this one, this one, this is probably my favorite one. When I was six-ish, my neighborhood friend had a pool that they would occasionally invite my family to. Well, one day I decided I wanted to go swimming, but I didn't feel like waiting to be invited. I told my mom they had invited us over. Twenty minutes later, my mom, my brother, and I showed up at their doorstep in their swimming gear, much to the surprise of the pool's owners. Needless to say, my mom taught me and my tush a valuable lesson on that day. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just imagine them and their stuff, and like, the owners are like, "Do we invite them over? Like, that just feels good to me, because I didn't live it, I just got to read it. And so here's the thing, all those people are trustworthy, I know them all, they're not liars, and people who are comfortable telling lies on social media, like, there are people you can probably trust, but here's what I can tell you, I I bet there are people who you have encountered in your life, and they, they lie, and they've probably proven to you over the course of time that, you know, when they tell me something... I'm just going to always take it with a grain of salt. Or we say, you know, when I, when I, if they make, say, say something, especially if it's maybe a little like outlandish, I am, I'm just not going to believe what was said. And we have a word for that that's wisdom. That's wisdom. If you have a person who's proven themselves not to be trustworthy, yeah, you, you need to be careful with how much you trust them with things in the future. That's wisdom. But here, Here's the challenge, okay? It's, while it's wisdom to do that with people who have proven themselves untrustworthy. Sometimes in life, what, what's going to happen is life is going to beat you down. That you're going to face things that are challenging, you're not going to know why you're facing them, and you're going to be incredibly frustrated. And in those moments when you can't explain what is happening, here's going to be your temptation. It's going to be to treat God like those people who have proven themselves untrustworthy. That instead of holding on to God's promises and obeying his commands, you're going to say, you know what? As I look at my circumstances, as I look to my future, as I think about every single thing that could go wrong, I'm just not really sure. I'm just not really sure that I can trust God in this time. And if if that is where you are, I would just say two things for you to do. One, two weeks ago, Pastor Keith preached a fantastic sermon on what to do when God doesn't answer your prayers. And four weeks ago, Pastor Nathan preached an incredible sermon about why bad things happen to good people. You should listen to those as you wrestle with those questions. But today, today I want to propose to you people who live in the real world where bad things happen. That you need to live your life in a way where you trust God's promises, not your problems. That, that you trust God's promises, not your problems. That you get to choose where you focus. You get to choose what you want to see. You get to choose if you want to obey and where you really want to place your trust. And I'm telling you, and what we will see as we get to the end of our text, is that when you are faithful, and you walk with him through the challenges, it is always worth it on the other side. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the background before we get to our text this morning, and so because I'm back, I wanted to show you some new technology, this is called a laser pointer. Um, <clears throat> I got it for this. Like those, this is one of, the, one of the bonuses I got for being gone. Okay, this is a timeline. Okay, full disclosure, the guy who was the pastor before me, he left this in his office, and so I thought, hey, this is an opportunity for me to use it. So if you guys know him, tell him I use his laser pointer, and he's not getting it back. Okay, so <clears throat> that line right there represents the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis. That line represents the creation of the world. Okay. The book of Genesis starts in the creation of the world and it goes all the way through the story of Joseph, okay? All the way through the story of Joseph. If, if you've been with us, maybe, you, we spent a lot of time talking about Joseph this spring, but here's what you need to know about Joseph. In an act of faith, in an act of obedience, what Joseph did was he brought God's people into the land of Egypt, So the story starts with creation, ends with Joseph bringing people into Egypt, and that line right there, that represents 435 years, 430 years-ish, with God's people living in Egypt, and over the course of 430 years, here's what happened. The people of Egypt forgot about Joseph, and they made those people their slaves. They saw the blessing of God on the people of Israel. They didn't like it. And so so they respond by, by making them slaves. Well, eventually God, he realizes his people, they're not called to be slaves, they're called to be free. And so in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's the story of a man named Moses who delivers by the grace of God, God's people out of the land of Egypt into what we refer to as the promised land. Book of Joshua, that is all about them conquering that land. That catches up. So right in the middle there, actually early middle, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Gap. God's people are delivered. They're delivered from Egypt supernaturally through these things that could only be described as God, and they are on the doorstep of the land that God promised a man named Abraham in the book of Genesis. That this, this moment is what they have been waiting for for hundreds of years. That the land that God promised them would finally be theirs. And so what Moses does, he says, hey, God has given us this land. I'm going to send out 12 spies. I just want you to kind of go look at the land and bring a report back to us so that we know how we are to proceed. And they do so, and this is the report they bring back. You see it in Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. It says this, so, for 40 days they check out the land, and at the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We have come to this land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Verse 30, but Caleb, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he says, let us go up at once and occupy the land for we are able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. There we saw the Nephilim. I don't have time. Just Google it. The sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. Again, just Google it. I don't have time. And we seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, so we seemed To them. So they go. They check out this land. They come back. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It flows with milk and honey. Not literally, that would be gross. It would get stinky, but it's like that's a metaphor for it being really good. This is the fruit. Like this, this is the land that we have been dreaming of. Oh, my word, you, we want to be here, but, but we can't. We can't because the descendants that are in there are big. Their, their cities are fortified, and we're just a ragtag group of wanderers. There is no way that we could overcome that. Well, that is everyone except for Caleb. Caleb. Everyone speaks up, and they're like, this can't happen, this can't happen. But then there's this guy, Caleb, okay? And he has this, like, Han Solo, William Wallace from Braveheart moment, the, the, the TV version of Braveheart that's been edited moment, where, where he looks, and he says, you guys, you're crazy. We can take them. Let's go right now. We'll occupy the land. And why is Caleb able to do that? He's able to do that because in this moment, in the face of opposition, he trusts God's promises more than he trusts his problem. And here's the thing about this, okay? The fact that these people are big, the fact that there's a lot of them, the fact that the cities are are, are fortified, like, when they're checking out the land, this actually wasn't a surprise to them. That God had already told them in the book of Deuteronomy that this is what you can expect when you scout out the land. Look at this, Deuteronomy 7.1. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering <clears throat> to take possession of it, and he clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites—they were very uncreative namers back then. Just put some put some letters together and put it at the end of it. Seven nations, more numerous and mightier than you—they were already told that reality. What made Caleb different? Well, Caleb was different because he trusted because he focused on different things and he obeyed God no matter what it might have cost him. I mean, they both, the 10 and Caleb got to choose where they wanted to focus. The 10, they're focused on the fact that there's well, they're, they're more numerous and mightier than us. And what Caleb's focusing on in this moment is Caleb's focusing on the fact that God said, we are going to take possession of the land. And here's what I can tell you that when God tells you you are going to take possession of the land, it really doesn't matter who's in the land. Because if God said it, if he promised it, then it is already theirs. And it's true of us too. As we walk in obedience to God, as we trust his promises, there are situations that will come up where, yep, the challenges are just like we thought they were. Are we going to trust God's faithfulness and his ability to get us through it? Or am I just going to sit here and come up with this internal narrative about all the reasons why this isn't going to work? Like Caleb has that opportunity and he says, we got it. And because of his faithfulness, because he trusted God in spite of great opposition Caleb experiences a blessing that none of the others got to experience. Let me read it to you in Numbers 14. This is the Lord speaking. He says, But as truly as I live, and all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory in the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give their fathers. None of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, and he followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. So what God does, he's like, all right, if you guys don't think I can deliver you, if you don't think that I can, can, can bring victory, then here's what we're going to do. We're all going to turn around and we're going to walk for 40 years. 40 years. And everybody who didn't trust me in the face of opposition in the course of 40 years, you are going to die. But Caleb, because you trusted me, the land's still yours you and your descendants shall possess it because you followed me wholly. Because you trusted my promise, you didn't focus on the problem. And now here's this tendency that we have with Old Testament stories sometimes. This thing, okay, man, it's in the Old Testament. It's good, but I mean, is it really for me? And I just want to read, Paul speaks of this text in his first letter to the church at Corinth. And essentially in the first five verses, he explains the story of Moses. So this, everything that I've just kind of explained, but I want us to look at verse six, and it says this. It says that now, these things, the things that we just read, they took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. It might not seem like that big of a deal. Just being on I mean, even if you think about the spies, the t- 10 of them were rational. But it's actually very irrational when God tells you something to say, nah, I'm not going to trust it. And so the, the reality that I want you to walk away with this morning is very simple. Commit to say, God, I'm going to trust your promise, not my problems. I'm going to believe who you are and what you say. And I'm not going to focus on all the reasons why things aren't going to work out. I'm going to show you I trust you by obeying you, doing what you say, following you fully, even if I'm the only one. And if that is your commitment, then like Caleb, you'll inherit the land. Like, like Caleb, there are good things coming. And so it, as, we, as we say, okay, this is my commitment. I'm going to trust, trust the promise. I'm not going to trust the problem. I'm going to be obedient. If you're saying that is my commitment, I want to give you two realities that come when we make that commitment. Two realities that come if you're saying, yep, I'm going to trust God's promises, not my problems. The first reality is this, it's challenges. That it's challenges. That, that God's promises are not divorced of challenges. <clears throat> that what gets people into trouble a lot, okay, is, is they think, okay, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what he wants. I'm going to, I'm, this is it. I'm all in. And then, boom, a challenge, like, okay, maybe God doesn't want me to do it like that. We think, okay, I'm going to go for it, but man, that that didn't happen the way that I thought, so maybe, maybe God wants me to deviate. Is that not exactly what the spies did? That they had a promise, and instead of holding to the promise, they deviated from the plan. And even if you think of this from Caleb's perspective, okay, Caleb is the one who trusted God when no one else did. That, that he is the one who said, no, we can take it. That he's the one who scripture remembers as a hero. He still had to walk for 40 years with all the fools who didn't trust God. God didn't say, you know what, Caleb, because you trusted me, here's a three-story house on, on the edge of the promised land, and you can just look at it, and I'll keep feeding you the manna. But no, he says, you are gonna, you're going to walk with them too. And can you just imagine how frustrating that would have been at year 15? I mean, 15 years is a long time. And he knows he's got 25 more, and he's not even halfway there. Like, he's got to be thinking, seriously, can you guys just die so we can get in there? Like, God said he was going to kill him. Maybe I should have, like, I mean, he's got to be thinking, right? But they're all just wandering. He's one of them. They're all walking together, and they're probably wondering. He's like, seriously. And even if, okay, even if the story was different, and they all came back, and they said, all right, let's go. The book of Joshua shows us what that would have been like. That even when God fights with you, you still have to fight. That that even when God fights with you, there are still casualties that come. That God gave them the land, but there were people that died in the conquest of the land. That that even when God fights with you, and you have have really a history of, of him proving himself to be faithful, there are still gonna be moments where fear creeps in and you question everything. But even when God tells you, hey, the land is yours, I promised it to Abraham, and we're gonna fulfill it through you, you still have to walk one step at a time. That you know that it's yours, but you don't know how the story ends. And so we have to be careful as we say, I'm going to hold on to God's word. I'm going to trust his promises to be true. That at the first sign of challenge, we cannot deviate from the plan, but we need to hold on to it all the more tightly. And here's the thing with scripture, that it is full of promises. It is full of commands. And with every one you face, you will have the choice you got to make. And two of the ones that I was thinking about as I kind of was preparing this message, these are just two of like a million. It's Proverbs 22. It says this, train up a child in the way they are to go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Okay, so I, I can tell you as a parent, I have two little kids, my son Jack is six, my daughter Madeline is three, and I can tell you there's nothing in the world I want more for them than that to be true. I pray that over them all the time. I believe that it is God's promise to me, but here's what I can tell you. The first time they come home and they have a question that they're wrestling with that I don't know the answer to, it does not mean that God has abandoned his promise. That the first time that they have that friend, and I say that friend because you know who I'm talking about, that, that turns them into something that isn't my child, but a demon version of my child, that, that the first time that that happens, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned his promise and has abandoned my child. It just means that there's a challenge that has come. And also, it's a challenge where I have to choose if I want to obey. Because there's an obedience aspect of this promise where it says, train up a child. So I get to choose. Am I just going to let them go and throw them to the wolves, or am I going to train them up in the way they are to go, even though in this season it's tough. We have to be careful not to abandon these things when challenges come before us. Another one we, I think of is this one. It's in Galatians chapter 6. And it says, this is, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption... But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. That if you're here and you're breathing, and I think that that is all of you, if not, that's going to be really awkward and everyone's gone and there's someone just sitting there and they're not breathing, but that's okay, we'll handle it. That if you are here and you are breathing, you are always going to be tempted. To sow to the flesh. That you are always going to be tempted to be selfish. I mean, what does what does culture say? It's all about you, baby. And here's what this says it says if you make life all about you, then here's what you'll reap Corruption. That if you fully just indulge every desire that you have, that, you, that won't work for you like you think it will. And I would guess, because we've all probably maybe gone really far down those roads at times, that when we've experienced that, we know that to be true. It's like the Dead Sea. It's like the more that I'm, the, the, the more that I'm feeding, the less I'm, I just feel gross. because like, I keep feeding my flesh, and that's exactly what it says. But then you have an option where it's, okay, well, or or you can give your life to something eternal. That you can give your life and say, okay, instead, instead of chasing myself and just fulfilling every desire, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invest my life in things that maybe I can't see right now. But someday I will. And what the, what the text says is if you do that, you will reap eternal life. That it will be worth it. That no one who gives themselves fully fully to the kingdom is going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have served Jesus less." And I I, I think of that here in our context. That there is not a greater example in our context than what is getting ready to happen next week. We have nearly 100 adults who are giving four nights of the week away to help other people's kids know how much Jesus loves them. That if that is not sowing into something eternal, then I have no idea what it means to sow into something eternal. And what the text says is that if you give your life to endeavors like that, you will reap something far more valuable than you could ever experience if you went the other way. And I can tell you that your life, you will constantly have to decide what you want to do. That with every promise comes a challenge, but with every challenge comes a victory. And and, and maybe you're walking through really difficult challenges right now. And even like the fact that I'm talking about the promises of God is making you mad. Here's what I can tell you, the greater the challenge, the greater the victory. And that when God brings you to the other side, that you are going to have a story that people are going to want to hear. But you've got to continue to hold the promise. Challenges come. That's one of the realities. The other one, this one's far shorter, but it's this. If you say, I'm going to, I am going to trust God's promises, not my problems. This is a reality that you can count on. That it will bless those who come after you. That it will, it will bless those who come after you. That how you respond to God's promises, the type of person that you want to be in relation to God's word, it will impact the people who are watching you. Whether you're hearing your parent, whether you're hearing you're hearing a grandparent, maybe you're an aunt, maybe you're an uncle, maybe you've got neighborhood kids who you know. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you's the people that you work with who watch your life. Here's what I can tell you: how you respond to the promises of God, it impacts those who are watching. I mean, look look at this for Caleb. Verse twenty-four. My servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he went and his descendants shall possess it. That Caleb's obedience, that Caleb's response to God's promise, he's not the only one who gets to reap the benefit, but also the benefit will be reaped by all those who come after him. And I bet, I bet there's some of you who are here. Like, you are here today. And the, the reason why you're here today is because your grandparents, they love Jesus, they instilled that in your parents, and for whatever reason, that's, you're here. Like Maybe you're here because your parents instilled something inside of you that said, no, this is important, this is a priority. That you watched their faith, and because you found it so appealing... You said it, it, there came a point where it was no longer their faith, but it was also yours. And with those who watch you, and they watch how you respond to God's promises, what you're doing by how you respond is either making it easier for them to follow God, or it's making it dif- more difficult. But if you're someone who trusts God, who believes that he's faithful, who believes that he's got it, people are going to see that and they're going to want what you have. But if you're one of those people who's always coming up with all the reasons why God isn't going to help you, then why in the world would anyone want that? That those who come after you will be blessed by your decision. You trust God's promise not your problem. And as I just think about my situation, okay, so I I think of kind of this whole thing wrapped up in a story at the end. I think of when I was getting ready to head on sabbatical, okay? And I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for me for going on sabbatical. But here's what I can tell you, that there's something about being gone for a month that is an exercise of faith. So there's just something about it that is. And especially if you've been here for maybe, maybe the last two years or maybe at some point in the middle of that. Like, I mean, New Life's gone through some stuff. And, and so to, to be gone for that long, like there's this element of, man, there's a lot that could go wrong. And I saw a lot of how it can go wrong. And so I, I get in my car and I'm, I'm leaving. And our parking lot's pretty big. So it gave me a lot of time to think of everything that could possibly go wrong as I'm driving through the parking lot. Thinking of all the situations and all that stuff, that just things that could go poorly for me. And and I'm, I'm driving on Farm Road 186, just right out there. And there's that part where it goes down on the hill and you're right next to Anchor Fence, you know what I'm talking about? Like right when I was at the very bottom, I felt God speak to my heart. And I felt he said, dude, it's not yours. And, and as, as he said that, I was reminded of a scripture that I have prayed in 11 years of ministry more than probably any over the ministry, and it's Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, I, shall, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, in that moment, as I'm praying and kind of just kind of responding to this in my car, I have two options. Am I going to trust God's word and his promise? Or am I going to continue to feed all my fears and all my insecurities? And I would, I would submit to you, because God spoke to me and I was able to respond, I was able to experience the blessing of the season that I was getting able to walk into. That is not to say that that was like a silver bullet and the fears died. But I had something to hold on to when they came. And because I had that, I was able to find rest and to be able to unplug. Because honestly, he's right. It's not mine. It's his. And so as you leave today, I want to give one to you. And here's what I can tell you. This is a promise of scripture and it doesn't matter where you are. Maybe you're in a great season. Maybe you're in a difficult season. It really doesn't matter but I want to give you a promise that Jesus said. He said it in John's gospel and this is for you. He says, I have said these things to you. This is Jesus talking about his words. I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. I'm going to say that again. In me you might have peace. In this world, you'll have tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. Now here's what you do. You get to pick what you want to focus on there. Are you going to believe that he came to give you peace? Or are you just going to focus on your trouble? They're both there. I mean, they both are there. The choice is yours. Do you want to focus and press into peace or do you want to just worry and press into trouble? Here's what I can tell you, though. That the reason you are able to have peace is because of that last line. Because he has overcome the world. That the reason why we can take all of the promises of God to the bank is because of the action of the cross where Jesus overcomes the grave. And that it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. That God can give you peace as you walk through it. But it's a matter of, okay, are you going to choose to obey? What are you going to choose to focus on? That you get that decision. What are you going to do with this? Are you going to believe it? Or is it going to be something where you're just going to push to the side? The choice is yours. Let's pray. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9:30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.